Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC, featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations, because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show... Let's do this, man. We've been talking a lot about our next guest in a good way. We found that story that he wrote along with Diana Rossini at TheAthletic.com. If you have not seen it, check it out. Found it to be some just amazingly interesting stuff. It's not fun to read as a Panther fan, like, but it's not surprising. But it was, you know, it was something that was a revelation. You know, about, about 10 revelations in that piece. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the current state of the Carolina Panthers with that man, Joe Person from The Athletic. Joe, that was a great, tremendous article, man. Great work and uh, appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was, uh, you know, I worked with Diana Rossini on that. I've I got to shout her out, too. Uh, Diana was a, a good addition to our staff uh, back before the start of the season. What uh? Let's the thing that caught us the most. Well, the Hunger Games quote from from a source in there that it's like a Hunger Games culture, and that coaches feared that other coaches were backstabbing Frank Reich, texting behind his back. It sounds like they were co- coaches going to Tepper behind his back. What what do you make of all of that? Does that all come back to the fact that that Tepper really wanted this diverse staff? of guys that weren't Frank's buddies and you just had guys on different pages? What do you make of, of that atmosphere? I, I think that's, that's a big piece of it. I do because, and, and, and look, I get uh, honestly why, why Tepper wanted to, to try to do that because remember what the, the criticism was of rule and his staff, he hired all his college buddies, yep. all these guys with few, or just a couple exceptions that didn't have much in the way of NFL experience. And so yeah, I went back and found some stories I was writing back in January and February last year, um, or, or this year, last cycle, um, uh, from, from and 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 there were quotes in there that you know Tepper was using expressions like, "Hey, uh, don't let go outside of your quote circle of yeah. people," yeah. and this should be a top ten staff. And, and we've got the resources to do it. And so, and, and, and you know, on top of that, uh, Dave Tepper had a couple guys in mind from the previous staff that he wanted to hold on to, guys who have good reputations in this business as being good coaches. One of them's the interim coach now, Chris Tabor, and then offensive line coach James Campen. I mean, those guys, uh, you know, Frank didn't have uh, history with them. Uh, and, and it, it did feel like it. And, and, and I think adding to this obviously was the fact that the offense wasn't very good uh, at all. And as you said, Mac, that they were coming at it from different backgrounds too, schematically with Thomas Brown, bringing the Rams concept concepts, uh, that weren't a super good fit for this offensive line group with the, with the wide zone. And then when the you know when the offense st- 
stunk and the losses started piling up, I think you did start having these factions form and guys kind of going into self-preservation mode. We're talking to Joe Person on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Make sure you subscribe right now. Worth every penny at theathletic.com to Joe's piece with Diana Rossini that dropped uh, about 24 hours ago. Joe, there's so much to unpack that you guys had in that article. And knowing the franchise that you do and when you did this piece, what was the most eye-opening part of the piece in your eyes that came out of that yesterday? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I mean, probably just it, it was it, when when Frank gets let go after 11 games, Frank Wright gets let go after 11 games, you know, and, and, and we had already seen the public-facing uh, reversal on play calling. And, and so that was sort of like the first tip, right, guys, that like, wait a minute. We, we, had, we had a coach give uh, an up-and-coming coordinator uh, play calling responsibilities and then yanks them back three, three games later. And so it's like just sort of like peeling back the layers. I don't know that there was one thing that, that was, you know, kind of most jarring or, or, or most telling to me. I, I just think, uh, and, and again, uh, and, and, uh, and it was bad. Look, I, I get it. I do. I, I don't think that all this is super unusual in other buildings. That, that you, if you happen to be one in ten or one in eleven, uh, I think it was a combination of, of things. I will tell you that one of the one of the uh, coaches on this staff said, you know, as I was doing my reporting, uh, one of the coaches said, "Look, this is still good guys on this staff. This is not a." a situation where it's just bad people. Um, So, you know, it is a billion-dollar-plus industry, multi-billion-dollar-plus industry. They were losing. As I said, I mean, the the offense was bad. Dave Tepper wanted answers, and, uh, and I think this is the result. We're talking with Joe Person from The Athletic. You've heard us talk in the last two days a lot about this article. Read it for yourself, theathletic.com. I'm telling you, man, that subscription fee is well worth it. Joe, now they got Diana with great insider information. I love the college football group you got, Joe. It's just um, uh, soccer. Bone loves that I use our, that on our page. A lot, of, yeah, I, a lot of Premier League stories get up front and center. I need to change my settings, <laughs> Joe. Hey, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I got to tell you, our, our soccer stuff kills. Yeah, like, tremendous. Yeah. That 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 when we get our kind of metrics readings and it, those soccer stories are just way dominating the top of a lot of those. Oh, I wonder who keeps yeah. reading all those from our area. <laughs> <laughs> I've contributed, but I read every article Joe writes. I wanted to everybody know I read every article Joe writes as well. Joe, one thing that, that kind of struck me in there about Frank Reich that I thought was interesting is it sounds kind of like the coaches were going, you know, to Tepper behind Reich's back, maybe in part because of something you write in there that that you know some coaches seem to get the feeling that if they brought something up to Frank, hey, let's try it this way, hey, let's do it this way, that Frank almost thought of them as malcontents, right? Like you're causing trouble or whatever. What what do you know about that? Because I find that interesting, like because Frank publicly 
kept talking about diversity of thought and collaborative effort, but like, was he really not open-minded to these other schools of thought? Like, why do you put a staff together like this if you're not going to listen to other guys from different backgrounds? Yeah, it's a great question. I, here's what I would say to that. I, I think all these guys come into this with, I mean, I mean, Frank Reich is, has, you know, been around offensive football in the NFL for 30 plus years. And I think while you're open-minded to, to, I mean, clearly he was open-minded enough to let Thomas Brown try it. But I think, like, like for instance, I think there was a lot of talk in training camp about putting Bryce under center. And that, that, like, there were guys on staff that felt like that could be really good. Um, you know, the, with the play-action game will keep some of the heat off of Bryce. It, it helps with certain run game fits, all of it. And so... They they start out in training camp doing a little under center. Like let's let's experiment with it. Um, well, one that's not really Frank's background. Frank like Frank grew up in the K gun offenses of Buffalo. They sort of almost invented the shotgun or at least the hurry up shotgun offenses up there. And I think that after. Looking at Bryce under center for, I, I don't know if it was a week, two weeks, I'm not sure exactly, but they did experiment with it. And Bryce wasn't super comfortable, and I don't think Frank was super comfortable. So I think that is really more what what people were talking about in terms of, like, you know, being labeled a bad guy or whatever. And and then, like I said, too, I, I think when you're when you have people that you haven't worked with before, you know, you, there's just not that sort of built-in level of comfort and familiarity trust. Yeah. and trust yeah. and trust and loyalty, right? Yeah. Joe, to so. say it's been a trying year, uh, rookie year for Bryce Young's an understatement with all the chaos that you've covered and the disorganization and overall just bad team play. How much fear should we have that that we see young quarterbacks sometimes a one year could affect them long term? Is there a fear that that this could really impact Bryce Young in terms of confidence long term? What he's been through this year, you know, Bryce it, it, for for all all the things he's gone through this year, I, I and and I've seen you know you've seen what looks like the confidence sink a little bit at times, Definitely. but I that that kid that 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 Young's got some some really good makeup, and I think that you know a. a change of staff, a, a fresh start, a new system, I think that will kind of like, you know, kind of reduce him, so to speak. And, I, yeah, I mean, I don't see him really developing bad habits or anything. I mean, And the footwork stuff in the pocket was interesting, and, and they're yeah. still working on getting him a little deeper in sets, which would be helpful. But, no, it, it's a good question, Bone, but I, I, I don't – I think that this – this kid's resolve, I think, is good enough that um, you know he gets a different gets in a different system. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to end up being like you know the you know an MVP, 
But I don't think uh, I don't think this experience necessarily is going to like set it back. Yeah. Definitely hope you're right. I think it set us back. <laughs> Joe's worried more about our, man, yeah, our mental yeah. makeup right now. Yeah, I know. I talked you guys off the ledge. <laughs> <laughs> oh my hey, god! We're no longer on a hill though because they took that away from us in Spartanburg. Uh, Homer Hill's gone, man. Homer Hill's gone. I know. I know. There are a whole lot of whole lot of sports writers worried about their Marriott status. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that happening. I didn't even think that was about oh that. Joe, did you? I noticed you take you know, mentioning this in passing, and we've been talking about it today. Do, do you think it was possible that they rushed that announcement because everybody was talking about your article? Like, it, it felt like <laughs> that. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 listen, the PR staffs and handlers at the NFL level, like they know the trick. They just do. They just do. So here's what I would say. I I did have Wofford people tell me that they had given the Panthers a a December deadline, but I also know that they didn't hear about this announcement coming until like right before it dropped on on Wednesday. So. Did, did your source from Wofford take a dig at Tepper? Like, everybody's getting a whack in at the pinata right now. You're, you're, no, no. I, I know what you're talking about. I posted a, a yeah. quote from a guy. I think it was just like, and and, and in fairness to, to Tepper and the Panthers, like, I think Wofford had reached a point, guys, where, like, they were going to continue to host the Panthers as long as the Panthers wanted to go there, in part out of sort of, like, legacy building or, or legacy honoring, I should say, for, for Jerry Richardson and Danny Morrison and people like that. But the buzz had kind of worn off. It was a lot of work. And that, that source was saying, you know, it was a little less intense under Jerry. Just, yeah. It was, I mean, I don't even think they, I've had people tell me they didn't even really have a contract when Jerry was there because yeah. it's like, well, we're not going to charge him, you know, five hundred grand to come in August when we know he's going to cut us a check for, you know, five million. Yeah. But yeah. I think that was his point that it was just, uh, okay. you know, Tapper right. was a little just, just straightforward business. Okay, I didn't know if the source Yo, was trying to get into. Okay, what, I understand it. One now. thing that confused us, shocking that we'd get confused on this show, but everyone was kind of like, "What are they talking about?" So, training camp to Charlotte, back to football here in Charlotte, but they said. Fan Fest is in South Carolina. What? What? Any idea what that means? Where's that going to be? Is there any thought to that at all? I was doing all this other stuff this week. I didn't. My guess would be, you know, somewhere like Columbia or Clemson, yeah. where where they just sort of like a one day okay. carnival, if you will. Um, maybe even Wofford. I don't know, but. Um, that was my thinking that they kind of like a traveling road show for yeah. one day. Yeah. And, and hey, man, go do it in Charleston. I'll, I'll, if I'm not, if I can't go, <laughs> now to we're talking. If I can't go to Spartanburg for two and a half weeks, let me at least go down to Charleston. <laughs> now we are talking. Yeah, let's get some shrimp and grits and let's go there and use those Marriott points. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's do it. Let's do it, man. A little Holy City Brewery, Joe. Let's get things get going. They, they would make Mac and I drive that morning to Charleston and drive back that yeah, day. Yeah, we wouldn't get a weekend stay. That's, might, no, that's no good. That's <laughs> I might have to come with my own money, as cheap as I am, for that trip. All right. Joe, you are the man. The article is great stuff. All Panther fans should check that out in all Joe's Panther Panther coverage out at theathletic.com. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate you. All right. Y'all have a good rest of the week. Listen to Mac and Bone every week.
weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Wesson Walker back, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're in Boston for the Army-Navy game, and USAA proudly supports the 124th Army-Navy game as the presenting sponsor. They've taken fantastic care of us. It's actually ridiculous how the— Being sport and pampered. I, I, I mean, even radio pampered. We got our guy Roy helping us out, too, yeah, on the right here with behind us. the scenes. Huge help for us. Justin helping us connect so we can bring you this show from Boston, allowing us to make the trip. So big shouts out, shout outs to everybody helping us here. USAA, this year's game, again, happening in New England for the first time. And they're a proud sponsor. And they've been a proud sponsor since 2009. They will continue to be for years to come. And along with Army, Navy, USAA is also a sponsor of the Air Force Academy, the Coast Guard Academy, Merchant Marine Academy, Virginia Military Institute, and the Citadel as well. VMI there. So uh, I think Reggie Williams is the guy I think of most when I think of VMI. Basketball player for the Charlotte Bobcats. Okay. If we want to have that connection. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm such a sicko that I hear VMI and I go back to Bobcat bench player. That's how much You a are sicko. really a sicko because I can't <laughs> think of any athlete that's come from VMI ever. Um, yeah. I was trying to think of another one, but that's that's all I got for you. Yeah. So we can read some more text on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line. We got a lot of sports trip memories rolling in. Everybody's having fun with this. We're having fun reading all of them. Niner B said... They went to Super Bowl 30 when them boys finally beat the Steelers. That's a good one. You're going to a Super Bowl. 252 said, Buddy and I drove to Miami from Greenville for a Dolphins game. 90 in December. You can't beat it. That's almost too hot. I don't even. In December, I know it's nicer weather, but that's almost too hot. Bebop from Rock Thrill. Best sports trip was taking my father and son to Atlanta to see the Yankees. Son was able to get up close and personal with Derek Jeter, A-Rod, CC Sabathia. That one's really cool. That's special. Michael, yeah. the 49ers fan, uh, definitely hit me up with a Niners moment. Said he went to uh, the wild card game where Colin Kaepernick ran all over the uh, Green Bay Packers. And he said oh, how that's a, hyped I he was. That yeah, he said they 
David Akers kicked a 62-yard field goal and he went ham and his grandfather <laughs> his grandfather told him to shut the bleep up because <laughs> he was a Packers fan. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that sounds like what you and your mom might do if you guys got to see a game uh, 49ers-Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. My mom knew I would, would utter the, that type of phrase. It's always playful when her and I yeah. watch the game. But uh, no, yeah, they did beat no. the Niners That's for right. uh, high stakes. Yeah, it could be. I just probably wouldn't say anything. That's right. Go in the room. Uh, a few people have texted this in. My buddy Nick said the Panthers game in London where they beat the Buccaneers. Well, I think the Roaring Riot had assembled a trip to go over there. That's, That's a cool. good trip to be able yeah. to go overseas. And Carolina winning that. Was that you saying that? What is that sound bite from? That, that was no, just that was me just saying that. Oh, yeah. I was, I was yeah, I was just Fiddy saying that. I, I said, so I didn't, yeah, I had no clue what Fiddy was. Fiddy's been throwing me off a couple times. Seminole right? Lloyd went to the 2013 Natty. That one's good. Where they beat Auburn, Seminoles. The, the Natty's going to be great. And final one for me, Panther Susie said, totally forgot this one. When I was a cheerleader at Gardner-Webb, we played Chaminade in Hawaii in January. Uh, okay. Nice. Okay. Nice. Tough to beat that one. Yeah, feel free to keep. Having the text roll on in on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line, 704-570-9610. 864 said Ben Wallace. No, he went to Virginia Union, I believe. That's right, he did. Virginia Union is where Ben Wallace went. Okay, Wes, lots of conversation about David Tepper. People asking us what we think about David Tepper, what kind of job he's done with the Panthers. Well, they've, won, uh, they've lost a lot of games. They haven't won many since he purchased the team in 2018. We've gone over all the bad stuff. There's a lot, especially in this article written by Joe Person, Diana Rossini. They put it out there on The Athletic yesterday morning. It dominated the show because of the dysfunction that came to the light. Mm-hmm. What are some of the good things about David Tepper? Are there, is there anything that he's showing that allows us to believe, you know what, him as the owner can figure it out rather than just kind of running into some good luck because the Panthers are going to be good again, knock on wood, at some point. Yes, we can see even if it takes a long time, Detroit is even good again. They want a playoff game, a couple of them, with Jim Caldwell as the head coach. The Browns, okay, like we, we know some teams stay at the very bottom for a while, but odds are Carolina will be good again at some point. What is it about David Tepper and because of his decision-making that makes you believe, you know what, they can get out of the basement, out of the, the basement dwellers that are the bottom teams in the NFL and rise to the top again? Well, I think one thing, it's like, you know, with the Cincinnati Bengals for years, uh, Mike Brown, people have complained about how cheap he is. And they talk about how he doesn't want to spend money and sign players and do different things like that. And so I think that, that's the opposite of what we have here. And I think that's one thing that helps, that makes it a little bit more uh, palatable, so to speak, is that you have an owner who you do know is willing to be aggressive. They're willing to, he, he's definitely willing to spend the money. He spent all this money on the coaching staff. Did it work out? No. And then he's also recognizing that that was a mistake, getting him out of there and we'll see how the rest of this coaching staff shapes up as far as who goes who stays things of that nature but I, I think I do like the aggression though that he's willing to spend the money and even though uh, we, we thought that going after Deshaun Watson wasn't the greatest move from a PR perspective but it did show that he wanted to get the right signal caller in here as evidence too by the trade to go up to number one in the NFL draft so if anything I do like the aggression and if I'm a fan of a team I like an owner that's going to be aggressive than a guy that's going to sit there and be cheap and not try to do much and a lot of people accuse 
accused Michael Jordan and Hornets, Hornets owners of that uh, in the past. And so I would rather have an owner that's too aggressive and maybe you have to reel him in a little bit than an owner that's uber conservative and cheap. Yeah, we know he has to respect whoever he hires to make the football decisions. And if he doesn't, then one, why are you hiring him in the first place? And if he doesn't, then it's just going to be Tepper's problem constantly with him trying to make the football decisions himself. Here are the good things that I think about David Tepper. You're right about the money because you can make a lot of money and still not want to spend it. You can still be cheap and not want to dish it out for the best possible coaching candidate out there, Mm -hmm. the best possible GM candidate out there. Okay. That is not David Tepper. He is willing to spend a He's the second richest owner in the NFL as it stands right now. So he has all of the funds, and he is willing to spend in order to make sure you steal a Jero Avero from Minnesota, who looked like the favorites to land him. That's a big deal. And I, like, there's, there's plenty of bad. When you have a one-win football team, of course we're going to focus on the bad. Yeah. Like, what, you want us to try to divert your attention and say, oh, well, at least he did this. Man, y'all got one win, and you just fired Frank Reich after week 11. No, we're going to focus on how we fix this. But... Yes, everybody is right when they say at least David Tepper is willing to spend enough money to get this team in the door for some of the top candidates. That's why I can't write off Ben Johnson coming over to Carolina. It's not an attractive job based off of Tepper's control, based off the roster compared to the Chargers, to Buffalo if that job opens up, whatever, right? But David Tepper is never going to be completely out of it because he's willing to pony up. And that's a big deal. And so if we want our owners to be just somebody that can write the checks, that's never going to really happen. They're always going to want to have at least some say. Can we bring it down to, all right, David, you can have a little bit of say in who you want to be the face of the franchise at the QB spot. I'd rather you leave it completely to the GM. But David Tepper is not going to be unlike any of the other owners in the NFL. They are going to want to have a little control on who the poster is going to be at the front of their stadium. I got you. Don't tell them how to throw. Don't tell them what to do on a five, seven, ten step drop. Yeah, whatever the hell. (laughs) Don't. No, I don't need you doing that. But I understand how you want to be involved at least a little bit there. And then you mentioned the aggression. You know, we were talking to, again, our guys from San Antonio, and they were saying, well, at least he takes some accountability. And we were going back and forth like, well, you know, fans don't really think that. I don't think that either. (laughs) But his point was, at least he moved on rather than holding on to what he thought was a problem. That's however you view the glass half full, half empty. I I think if you continue to do it, then it shows that you can't keep stability. And stability, continuity, that's a big thing. That's a big thing in the NFL and all sports. Charlotte Hornets, I would love to have some continuity there. So I would love to have it with Carolina. But he is right in the sense that you are not trying to hold on so tight to Frank Reich in order to save your pride that you don't acknowledge you made a mistake and then you can start the ball rolling quickly on whatever the next regime is going to be. I think those two things are legitimate positive traits from David Tepper that maybe he can put forth to getting this team out of the gutter. One thing I would want to see too is the fact that 
this past offseason, it was kind of like an optimistic anger. He wasn't happy with where they were at, had to get the new coaching staff together, traded up to get the pick, like we said. But now I think he's angry, angry. I think all that is out the door. There's <laughs> I think no, he is still, yeah. There's no type of uh, caveats with his anger. And so that's why I want to see how he's going to move in this offseason, what moves are going to be made, and how he's going to go about things because I think this is the maddest uh, that he's been as far as the frustration that you hear about, the walking out of the locker room cursing, the, the shots that we see during these games. And so that's why I said I, I think that he felt like, okay, you know, Rule was a mistake. We'll move on and uh, we'll get this thing going. And I felt like that was his mentality then. But now I think it's it's anger. I think he's embarrassed too. Uh, not quite sure if he's embarrassed yeah. enough to really take full ownership and, and really have that self-awareness to say, hey, maybe there needs to be some things I need to step back on. But I think he's angry to the point that he's more determined than ever to try to turn this thing into a winner. And we'll see if he makes the right moves in order to do so. Well, and and so you have 704 making a great point. We don't want him firing coaches all the time like vintage George Steinbrenner. Yeah, that seems impulsive. That seems like you don't have a plan. Yeah. But it's not really the firing that gives us the problem. It's the hiring. It's the guy you hired in the first place, right? Yes. So if you come in, and Ron Rivera is a little bit of a different situation because there was success. This is a guy that got them to a Super Bowl, certainly in the first half of the previous season before he got fired. They were playing well, and they got off to the 6-2 and two start before they only had one win to finish out the season. So that's a little bit different. I think the problem is... You move on from Ron Rivera, but you don't move on from Marty Herney. So now you have that inconsistency vision from front office and coaching. But then you hire Matt Rule. You give him the seven-year contract. You like him. You love him. Marty does too, by the way. Marty, at, at that point, he, I don't think there was much of a fight from Marty on, on that decision to hire Matt Rule. But clearly a bad hire. So then what do you do? You move on from him. And you actually give him some more time than people wanted, to be frank. Like, a lot of people wanted Matt Rule gone. Yeah, he was more patient with uh, Matt Rule than he should have been. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. And Frank Reich is the hire, but it goes so poorly because you also have so much control over who he's supposed to hire. But now you're in his ear telling him, this is who you need to bring on board, too. You should diversify your thoughts, as we heard a lot from Frank Reich. And you should try to bring in guys outside of your circle. But now you're trying to marry these concepts from Thomas Brown and what you've done for 30 years as a backup QB, as an OC, as a head coach on different stops. The marriage didn't work, but David Tepper didn't care. He didn't even think about that. And so if you can allow these guys to make their own decisions, once you put them in power, then David Tepper can get out of this. But it's the hiring that's been the issue and his influence over who those guys can hire. Yeah, I mean, continuity is everything. I mean, you talk about offensive line, you talk about quarterbacks and receivers uh, getting chemistry. And chemistry on the coaching staff is certainly important because guys are going to have the, the, the coaching circle is small. Guys are going to have opinions about guys from what they've heard or either encounters that they've had. And then when you try to slap a bunch of guys together that aren't used to working together, then everybody's not going to agree. And that's just how people are. They're going to sit in a room and Frank Wright could be going over something and they could be saying, man, no, I'm I'm not believing in this. And that also too plays into the fact that I keep saying that 
I don't believe that everybody was in unison with Bryce Young because you know on that offensive staff when you're just taking people and putting them together, there are going to be some guys who have premonitions about Bryce Young off the rip because of the size and they may be guys that are still in the old NFL mentality. And so when Reich and, and those guys are going over things that they want to do, in the back of their mind they're sitting there like, mm, this is not going to work and this, that, and a third and it's just not going to be good instead of Frank having his guys in there that are all on the same page and you can get a consistent message and I think when you try to just slap people together you have a tendency to get inconsistent messages especially when yeah. things aren't going good because guys are going to feel like that their feelings are um, confirmed when things are going wrong I mean you can't tell me that's not guys sitting there saying see I told you yeah. I told you I <laughs> yeah. told you when he did that it wasn't going to work that's what we have because when you talk about those factions I guarantee you that was one of the things that was at the top of the list as far as what was happening guys you had guys who believed in what they coach was doing and you got you had guys that did not believe in what the coach was doing and that can't be good for your rookie QB not so at here, all. here we are discussing stability continuity and you had a little bit of that bringing back Chris Tabor and James Campen now it looks like that might have been among the problems here as far as what they believe with this team because they had success last year they had success at least when Steve Wilkes took over and Campen and Chris Tabor are still on board, and they go 500 to finish out the year in a way that nobody expected. Nobody expected them to finish 500. And then Frank Wright comes in with a different philosophy, and even in that article, Joe Person even specifically said, yeah, it, there were different factions that were forming, and that's true even of Chris Tabor, who is now the interim head coach, and even James Campen. I wonder if there's a strong enough relationship, certainly with Tabor because he's the interim head coach, here we are talking about let the head coach hire whoever they want to. Is Tepper going to learn his lesson and let the head coach do that? Or is he going to try to retain somebody that he's clearly close with? Clearly one of the closest coaches on the staff. And when we have text messages going to David Tepper, it's like speculation, pure speculation. It wasn't directly saying Chris Tabor was texting David Tepper, but that's what I would guess. And so are you going to keep him or are you going to let the head coach hire whoever he wants to? We're going to see if Tepper learned his lessons pretty quickly as soon as the season ends. Yeah, I think by the head coach that's hired and how the staff is assembled, I think that's going to be quite telling as far as next season goes. Is it going to be where the staff retains guys or are they just going to play house and, and bring in who they want? And so I think that's going to be very telling of how things are running over there because hopefully, if anything, this article can be taken as a positive and be a wake-up call for this organization about how they're going about their business because it was not very flattering how they've been portrayed uh, in these stories. And so it's got to all hopefully go and flip and do a 180 and go into a positive direction where they say, hey, we need to look at how we're doing things here because, you know, you even go back to, you know, what we heard before in the previous ownership with, with Richardson, man. It's just a lot has been going on over in that building for a while and it's time for uh, a resurgence, so to speak, for them to get this thing going in the right direction and just have a great environment for everybody, coaches, players, employees alike, man. It's, it's, it's just too much toxicity going on over there. Yeah, we all hope that it can change, although it, it's it's nice, I guess, to talk about the drama every now and then, but also... Oh, yeah, a, we love it. As a fan of the team, <laughs> I just want them to win, though. Like, I, I'm conflicted. It's great Sport radio drama. Honor. is yeah. just phenomenal. Oh, I can't get enough of it. I know. I, 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 I say that, and 
yet I, I is it fit it comes at the expense of winning then <laughs> I want it to stop you can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to three sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next only on sports radio 92.7 WFNC the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits no skips learn more about Cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you so long live singing to the oldies jamming out to something new and everything in between McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. We certainly have uh, no shortage of quarterback discussions to have around these parts with Bryce Young and what's going on with the Panthers. So let's get into as much of that as we can with our good buddy Danny Cannell, CBS Sports college football analyst, Cover 3 podcast host, and he's once again here, courtesy of Bet Online. Check out Bet Online for updated college football playoff conference, Heisman, and bowl game lines. Danny Cannell's back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Danny, how you been, brother? Happy holidays. Hey, you too, Kyle. You know, you just got me thinking about something as you were talking about all your team, uh, sports teams sucking. Uh, what would you rather have, your sports team sucking just knowing you're bad, or to have them be one of the best teams in the country and have them left out. Like I'd almost rather just suck where you're like, yeah, we don't like, we're just, we're, we're building for the future as opposed to like getting teased with the chance to maybe this team could win it all. And then having that rug just ripped out from under you. I don't know. I, I think I might choose the, uh, the one where you go with the teams that just are bad. And then, uh, then, it's been brutal. That's it, easy to say until you've lived it for years and you're, you're living an empty <laughs> existence and you, you're pondering the, the meaning of life and why you've wasted so many man hours uh, <laughs> talking about and rooting for terrible teams. But I get your point. And here's the thing, Danny. You and I have gotten to know each other a bit over the years. I, as a Virginia Tech alumnus, am not inclined to defend Florida State that much, given what happened 23 years ago. However, I am a loyal ACC guy, and I have been trumpeting your point all week long. Um, I think the committee did, in fact, as a non-Florida State fan, make a mockery of themselves and the process. It is nonsensical. Uh, I think this is network-driven. They were setting this up weeks ago watching some of the pundits do a complete 180 on their takes from two and three weeks ago has been absolutely incredible to see in person so look everybody knows you're a florida state guy you are a florida state quarterback clearly you're upset by this decision but what do you think is the most egregious part of it all the committee's bs excuse like i don't i'd rather them just be a hundred percent honest and say you know what we watched that ACC championship game. Ugh, that was ugly. Nobody wants to watch that on TV. And just and just say, so let's let's just go with the teams that are giving us the best TV product, the most entertaining playoff, not the most deserving, not the best, because you could blow up any of those arguments out there. Just saying it's the most entertaining because it 
it is like it's hard to argue against that. But when I see a committee member tell Heather Dennis of ESPN, I think, she, I think some, somebody told Dennis Dodd as well with CBS said, well, when we looked at Florida State, we evaluated them differently and we just didn't think they could compete without Jordan Travis. That is so insulting to anybody that's ever played team sports that you could say without that one player, you're just not that good. Like, what about the credit that Mike Norvell gets for having an unbelievable job that he did with the defense, which in their last two games looked better than any defense in the country. They looked better than Michigan's, better than Penn State's, better than Bama's, better than Georgia's. They looked unbelievable. But nobody even talked about that. It was all about how bad they looked on the offensive side of the ball. So instead of coming up with these BS excuses and using these criteria – just tell us what we already know, that you just want an entertaining playoff. So that was the thing that bothered me the most. But, Kyle, I'll say this. Like, I get it. People are, you know, I'm a Florida State guy. I'm upset. I think college football fans should be upset because this is, this is just such a sham of a system. It really is. It is not a playoff. It's always been invitational where it's these four teams are deemed worthy by the committee and they get invited to an invitational. It is not a true playoff. And I know a lot of people's temptation to say, well, next year you're going to avoid all this. You're really not. It's just going to be 12 people get invitations and there's still going to be favoritism towards the bigger, uh, you know, higher earning conferences that have the bigger TV contracts with ESPN and Fox. And that's the big 10 and the SEC. They're going to get three or four teams in the ACC is probably going to get one, you know, and maybe, maybe two if they're really, really lucky, but that's not going to happen every year. And so it's still, and then, like even more and furthering, I'll, I'll finish it up here so I'm not rambling too long. Like Florida State, yes, they would get in if they were the five seed, but they would still have to play earlier. They wouldn't get the bye that the top four teams do, so they don't have that advantage. And if you were one of the back end of the four, you could have to play a road playoff game. So there's still going to be influence that you'll see that is extremely beneficial for the Big Ten and SEC teams. All right. So, you know, in just in the, the spirit of actually talking about what's going to happen, you're a professional. I know that you'd like to see your guys in, but you're going to do your job. And I've got I got to yeah. talk about these games, too. So we get Michigan, Alabama, Washington and Texas. Um, what, what are these three games? What does the bracket look like by the time we get to the national championship game? I think it's I think Michigan beats Bama. I do. I I go back, and I know Bama looked great against Georgia, um, but I also remember how they looked against Auburn, which everybody forgot. I also remembered how they looked against Texas the first time around, which everybody said, oh, that was so far removed. I also watched them against Arkansas, only win by three, when they got pushed around a little bit. I saw them trailing 21-3 to at halftime against Tennessee, who they came back and won that game. So I think they're vulnerable, and I do think, you know, whatever you think of the cheating scandal, this team, it's the third year they've been here. It feels like it's culminating. They're coming in with a lot more confidence than they did the last two years, and they feel like they're on a mission, and they're, they're us against the world, which is a very valuable uh, you know, kind of mantra and a mindset inside a locker room. And I think they're built to go against Bama. Like, I think they're physical. Now, I do think the Zach Zinter injury along the offensive line was huge for them, but I still think they're going to not deviate from their game plan, and I think they're going to try to run the ball on Alabama's defense, which some of those teams that didn't have the high, fly, you know, the aerial attacks from the passer were able to do it. The other game, I tell you, man, I, I like Texas, but there's something about Washington. I think Washington getting four points is really good value because I think that game is close. But I think the Big 12 was overrated all season long. I think Texas 
I think they're beatable. And Washington has been that team that has just proved people wrong all year long. I mean, going into the Pac-12 championship, myself and many others thought, oh, this is going to be a blowout. They were a 10-point underdog, and yet they beat a team that we all, and I say we because almost every analyst out there, thought Oregon was one of the teams that was like almost punched their ticket in the playoff, and Washington said, hold on a second, we're going to beat them again. They beat them twice, and there, Michael Penix is great. I think he's, they're going to get healthier, which is huge for them with the month off, and their defense has gotten better. So I think Washington could knock off Texas. So I'm going Michigan versus Washington with Michigan winning it all uh, in the national championship game. But this, Kyle, I have very little confidence in that pick, which is one of the parts that really does make this entertaining, right? It is wide open, which is fun. That is fun. I can admit that as a Florida State guy. Like, I hate that they got left out. But, yeah, they were just honest and said, what's the most fun of the matchups we can get? These are awesome matchups. I, I agree with you on that. I, I, I feel like I've, it's so strange to find myself fighting on behalf of Florida State. I mean, like I'm fighting with two guys on my text line right now, Danny. I promise I'm not ignoring you, but, like, I got two guys on my line right now that are like, uh, the worst Big Ten team could beat Louisville. The, the, the ACC championship game was not impressive. And it's like, bro, do you realize that Michigan and Florida State both face top 20 defenses Saturday in their conference championship games? And Florida State with a third-string quarterback's offense was more productive against it I, yeah. it is what it is whatever anyway danny <laughs> danny cannell is with us on the body works plus guest hotline um i'm glad we're talking about all this and talking about college football because there is so much going on right now uh the transfer portal real quick there have been a lot of quarterbacks going into the transfer portal matt rule even put a price tag on a quarterback for us a couple of weeks ago at a nebraska press conference i mean just a ton of players danny what, what do you think of this Welcome to college football in 2023 and beyond. It, I think it's a complete mess. I don't love it. I'm not faulting the players. They're taking advantage of an incredibly flawed system. Think about this, Kyle. College football players have more leverage than NFL players, which is like completely. Now, we were the pendulum that swung where it was so unfair. The players needed to. They should have been able to get NIL money for the last 20 years, maybe 30. So then I could have gotten a piece. But like. Well, like that, that system has been completely exposed for the fraud it is. I mean, there's, yes, Caleb Williams can make millions and millions off the field as the Heisman Trophy winner. A Drake May as the, you know, one of the young faces of college football at North Carolina could make millions off the field. But a lot of these quarterbacks who are getting this money, have, you know, I would say 90% of college football fans can hardly picture them in a lineup, like if you put them out there. So it's become a sham. I think it's impossible for coaches to manage a roster. But to the leverage, Florida State had a kid uh, who was really good, had a phenomenal year on the uh, defensive line. He was playing opposite Jared Verse. And guess what he did after the he – didn't, he didn't enter the transfer portal. He said, sorry, Florida State fans, I'm going to enter the transfer portal. And you know what it was? And I don't fault him. He was, he was sending a very clear message to Florida State's collective. Hey, you guys better match. You better bump this thing up or I'm going to leave. And he had a breakout year. And any player in the country can do that after their breakout year. And then guess what else they can do? If they've graduated, they can go again. You know, so you can, if you have a good year, you can keep testing the waters in free agency every single year, which is a mess. Like that's not, it's not a sustainable environment for these schools, for teams to manage rosters, for, you know, administrators to still have to go to the boosters with their hands out for a donation every single off season. It's not sustainable. So I do think the solution will come sooner rather than later. And I'd say probably within five years where you do see 
And the NCAA, I'm sure you talked about this, did float this idea of oh, this yeah. new division where they will be actually paid from the schools. And I think that will get better um, because you'll be able to manage your roster. You'll be able to keep the players that you've developed and it'll be a more equitable system for everybody where the players are getting paid a pretty handsome amount of money, but it's also manageable for teams to keep a roster intact and actually develop players. Danny, two quick things to let you go. Uh, we got the news a little while ago that Duke is looking to replace Mike Elko with Manny Diaz, former Miami head coach, uh, just recently Penn State defensive coordinator. Um, you know, Duke's not a... Oh, you know what Duke is from a football standpoint. I, I mean, they've sure. had some success, but I mean, I, I know they're looking for more. I'm just having a hard time wrapping my head around this one. Danny, what do you think of that? So I actually, I like Manny Diaz a lot. Um, I'd say he's similar of a philosophy of Mike Elko, defensive-minded coach. Mike Elko was such a great coach, and that is a really rough loss. But I do think Manny Diaz is a good coach, too. Remember, he was he was at Miami and had more success than Mario uh, than Mario Cristobal's had. Oh, right? Yeah. I mean, he yeah, yeah. like he had he had it. They didn't. They got rid of him too early. The expectations. I think he was kind of a victim of that. But he's always been a really good defensive mind. I, I'm not as worried. I think he'll be okay. When I say okay, like can he get Duke to seven eight wins a year? It's a really tough task, and that's what Elko was delivering before Riley Leonard got hurt. But I do. I like the hire. I think he's still young. I think he can energize the program. I think he's really good on the recruiting trail. Now he's going to have to maximize what he's done. But I would say this, his offensive hire will be just as critical as the head coaching hire. You know, when he had Rhett Lashley, that was their best year his last year. That was the year Tyler Van Dyke was in the conversation for ACC Player of the Year. So keep an eye on who he brings with him as an offensive coordinator because I would trust the defense is going to be pretty good. But I'm very curious to see what he does for an offensive coordinator because I mean, a quarterback development, you know, quarterback development is the most important aspect of the game. So after Manny Diaz, now that it's done, who does he bring in to run that offense? I think will be crucial. All right, Danny, last thing. Uh, you and I talked weeks and weeks ago. And look, you spent a half dozen years or so in the NFL. You've been through the rookie process as a quarterback. And we talked about Bryce Young all those weeks ago last time that you were on. And now here we are. And Frank Reich was fired after 11 games, the fourth shortest tenure in NFL history, the, the shortest in 45 years. Uh, there are pieces coming out about total chaos inside the organization this week and, and so much that's happened since then. Just uh, an updated take from you on what you think is going on here. Just your thoughts from afar and you know what this can mean for Bryce Young's development. Uh, I think there's a, there's a lot of dysfunction in this franchise, and I think it stems from the top, from the new owner who is new to this. You know, who is used to, you know, being incredibly cutthroat and probably cutting ties with investments and uh, products and distressed assets, you know, just getting rid of them, right? Just cut them. Man, I, I know some of the details that have come out there. They sound super shady, which is not great. But the person who's going to get damaged the most from this is Bryce Young. I really do worry about him because I liked Frank Reich as a quarterback guy. I love Josh McCown as a guy, a voice for him to lean on. And you lose those two pieces. Like, you tell me it couldn't have been salvaged a little bit. But, hey, if you want to go ahead and rip off the band-aid and say, what's the rush? They cannot screw up this hire. Like, you, you do not have that luxury. And we're looking at a couple hires in a row that were way off the mark. Like, not even close to being successful and having to move on from. Because it's hard enough as a rookie to come in and learn a system, command a locker room, you know, every uh, the, the physical rigors that go into it, being healthy, and then to have to do that under a completely new system in just year two and in an offseason having to learn an entirely new system and with probably a lot of new faces on the coaching staff and on the team, on the roster itself, 
give him a better offensive line, give him some better threats at receiver, and give him a chance. I mean, look at the Dolphins did a really good job because they were in a tough situation with Tua, and it was looking a little bit dicey. And they brought in Mike McDaniel specifically to it was a it was a Tua hire, and they brought in Tyree Kill specifically to give Tua a chance. They brought in uh, one of the best offensive linemen, a left tackle, to to help protect his blind side. And look at they've created a roster for him to succeed. I don't think. So Bryce Young, I think it's pretty clear now, he's not going to be the type of quarterback that just puts the team on his back and overcomes some weaknesses. He needs really good pieces around him. If they do that, I think he can. you can turn this whole career around and you know all the people at C.J. Stroud should have been taking one, all those question marks, which I do. I was, just, I was a Bryce Young guy. I mean, it is pretty obvious that C.J. Stroud is crushing it. But if you want to get back into that conversation because these two careers will be tied to one another, They've got to give them better surroundings, better supporting cast, and better support system. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.